Disclaimer. South Park is the property of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. All opinions voiced are our own and not theirs. The following program contains educational course language and due to its hilariously inappropriate content should not be listened to by anyone. And welcome to episode 13. My name is Sophie. And I'm Amanda. We've already tackled some historical topics in our first season, and we're so excited to bring you more as we enter season two. This South Park podcast is like nothing you've heard before as it dives into the complex social constructs and issues that South Park plays off. We hope you leave today thinking, I learned something today and had a chuckle. Today's South Park episode is season two, episode one. Terrence and Philip in Not Without My Anus. Fun fact, this episode was released on April 1st, 1998, and was an elaborate April Fool's prank on South Park fans who were waiting to learn the identity of Cartman's father after the cliffhanger ending of the first season finale, Cartman's mom is a dirty slut. Angering viewers, the prank episode resulted in 2,000 email complaints to Comedy Central within a week of the original broadcast. Our episode touches on the history of Canada and flatulence humor. We realized we should be giving a more in-depth recap as we assume you listeners are not watching the episode before listening to our episode, as Sophie and I are. So this episode opens and continues with a series of clips from Cartman's mom as a dirty slut. A narrator states that viewers have waited four long weeks to find out who the father of Eric Cartman is and that the cliffhanger payoff will not be seen. Instead, the HBC movie of the week starring Terrence and Phillips, Not Without My Anus, will be shown. At a Canadian courthouse, Scott the Dick is testifying against Terrence, saying that he murdered Dr. Jeffrey O'Dwyer by repeatedly striking him in the head with a hammer. Scott shows evidence linking Terrence to the murder and yells at Terrence with disgust. Philip proceeds to deliver their closing arguments. He and Terrence start farting repeatedly, even to the point that the jury struggles to deliver their verdict. The court finds Terrence not guilty, causing Terrence and Philip to celebrate. Upon exiting the courthouse, Terrence and Philip plan to have a craft dinner and then take the subway home. At Scott's house, Saddam Hussein calls Scott and proposes a plan that will get rid of both Terrence and Philip and make it so Saddam Hussein can take over Canada, to which Scott agrees. At Terrence and Philip's house, there is a letter for Terrence. This letter entails that his daughter Sally has been captured in Tehran. Terrence explains to Philip, who doesn't know who Sally is, how he and Celine Dion had a little girl named Sally. On the way to the airport, Terrence and Philip stop by Celine Dion's house to tell her about Sally. After Terrence and Philip purchase tickets for the flight to Tehran, they, with others, sing the Canadian national anthem. Meanwhile, Scott is contacting Sedan via walkie-talkie to discuss what will happen to Terrence and Philip once they get to Tehran. Terrence and Philip find Sally rather quickly in Tehran and travel back home to find that posters of Sedan are all over Canada. Meanwhile, the U.S. government tells Saddam that he has exactly three years to remove his troops from Canada or else they'll bomb all of Iran. Once they leave, Saddam goes over his plan to take over the world starting with Canada. While at home, Terence and Philip watch the news and find out that Saddam has signed an agreement to let the U.S. government inspect his military operations and that Saddam is a dictator. Scott then calls Terence and Philip and tells them to meet him at Carl's Croft Dinner Palace. At Carl's Croft Dinner Palace, 
Scott tells Terence and Philip that Saddam taking over Canada is their fault. He gives Terence and Philip a bomb and tells them to strap the bombs to themselves at the football game. He explains the bomb will go off, killing Terence and Philip, but also stopping Saddam. Later, Philip comes up with an idea to use chemical warfare via farting instead of blowing themselves up. They then start phoning everyone. At the Rough Riders versus Rough Riders football game during the halftime show, Celine Dion begins to sing the Iranian national anthem. Terence then alerts everyone that the plan is about to start. Everyone then proceeds to put on gas masks and fart, causing Saddam and the Iranians to pass out from the fumes. The Canadians then start ripping Saddam apart, and they sing the Canadian national anthem, ending the episode. As Amanda's taking on the topic of our dark Canadian history, I'm going to talk about farts for a little bit. So we're going to get you laughing, and then we're going to get you crying. Flatulence, breaking wind, cutting the cheese, farting. Why do people find farts funny? You know who doesn't find farts funny? Microsoft Word. Because every time I wrote out the word, it underlined in blue and said, this language might be offensive to your reader. But they don't realize that we have a South Park podcast. Find that offensive, like, check out South Park. Since this episode was an April Fool's prank, I thought it'd be fun to talk about April Fool's. Some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582, when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, as it was called for by the Council of Trent in 1563. In the Julian calendar, as in the Hindu calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox around April 1st. People who were slow to get the news or failed to recognize that the start of the new year had moved to January 1st and continued to celebrate it during the last week of March through April 1st became the butt of jokes and hoaxes and were called April Fools. April Fool's Day spread through Britain during the 18th century. In Scotland, the tradition became a two-day event starting with hunting the goke, in which people were sent on phony errands. Goke is a word for cuckoo bird, a symbol for fool and followed by Tally Day, which involves pranks played on people's derrieres, such as pinning fake tails or kick-me signs on them. Speaking of derrieres, let's talk about farts. Although it is considered the public passing of gas impolite, flatulence humor has long been considered funny in many cultures. In 2008, British historians tracked down the world's oldest joke, a fart joke from 1900 BC. Written on a Sumerian cuneiform tablet, it said, Something which never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. <laughs> oh, an old joke. <laughs> a lot of fart jokes also are caused by the whoopee cushion. So the whoopee cushion has reportedly been used since ancient times. Roman Emperor Helgabalus was said to enjoy practical jokes at his dinner parties, often placing whoopee cushions under the chairs of his more pompous guests. Spoiler alert, he was assassinated. <laughs> Probably not for his fart jokes, but I'd like to think that that may be added to why they wanted to, um, you know, we should just stab Caesar! See, I was thinking, you disrespected me. I'm gonna have to kill you. Little column A, little column B. Funnily enough, this South Park episode is set in Canada, and the modern rubber version of the whoopee cushion was invented in the 1920s by the J.E.M. Rubber Co. of Toronto, Ontario, here in Canada. It was invented by employees who were experimenting with scrap sheets of rubber, and they were able to make the sound. <laughs> and we're all thankful today. 
<laughs> There's lots of fart jokes and flatulent humor in literature. In one of the 1001 Arabian Night Tales, a story entitled The Historical Fart tells of a man who flees his country from the sheer embarrassment of farting at his wedding. Which, oh my. Only to return 10 years later to discover that his fart has become so famous that people use the anniversary of its occurrence to date other events. Upon learning this, he exclaimed, Verily, my fart has become a date. It shall be remembered forever. His embarrassment is so great he returns to exile in India. Which is a very random, like very embarrassing, but just really random too. The plays of William Shakespeare include several humorous references to flatulence, including the following from Othello, which for those of you who do not know, it is a play about a man who gets so jealous he strangles his wife. Amanda, can you read for first musician? Mm-hmm. So there's a clown and a musician in this part. Clown. Are these, I pray you, wind instruments? Aye, Mary, are they, sir? Oh, thereby hangs a tail. Whereby hangs a tail, sir? Mary, sir, many a wind instrument that I know. (laughs) (laughs) Very over our heads, but there you go. Actually, fun fact, they did talk about, because a lot of people, when William Shakespeare was putting on his plays, they couldn't read. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the jokes had to be like flatulence humor or slapstick humor because nobody understood what was going on, right? They can't really make reference humors if nobody gets the reference. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't be like, in this book, you haven't read it. Farting proudly, also called a letter to the Royal Academy about farting, is the popular name of an essay about flatulence written by Benjamin Franklin. Yes, the Benjamin Franklin who was one of the founding fathers of the United States. Founding farters in the United States? See, we get it all out now and then it'll get really sad. (laughs) Which is good. Love you. Savor the humor. Savor the humor. (laughs) Yeah. A letter to the Royal Academy was comprised in response to a call for scientific papers from the Royal Academy of Brussels. Also, (laughs) Brussels sprouts. Franklin believed that the various academy societies in Europe were increasingly pretentious and concerned with the impractical. Revealing his bawdy, scurrilous side, Franklin reported with an essay suggesting that research and practical reasoning be undertaken into methods of improving the odor of human flatulence. The essay was never submitted, but was sent as a letter to Richard Price, a Welsh philosopher and Unitarian minister in England with whom Franklin had an ongoing correspondence. The text of the essay's introduction reads in part, I have perused your late mathematical prize question, proposed in lieu of one in natural philosophy for the ensuing year. Permit me then humbly to propose one of that sort for your consideration, and though you, if you approve it, for the serious inquiry of learned physicians, chemists, and of this enlightened age, it is universally well known that in digesting our common food, there is created or produced in the bowels of human creatures a great quantity of wind. That the permitting this air to escape and mix with the atmosphere is usually offensive to the company, from the fetish smell that accompanies it. That all well-bred people, therefore, to avoid giving such offense, forcefully restrain the efforts of nature to, to discharge that wind. So, to sum it up, farts can be funny. 
because there is a soothing universality to scat humor. We all have bodies. Those bodies occasionally do weird things. These things can be surprising and subverse and awkward and delightful in a way that we all can understand intuitively, regardless of nationality or gender or political learning, social status, or in every sense, age. Also, if you're currently looking for a new career path and enjoy eating gassier foods like beans, did you know you can be a flatulist or professional farter? Just like it sounds, a flatulist is an entertainer whose routine consists solely or primarily of passing gas in a creative, musical, or amusing manner. The most famous flatulist was Joseph Hujot, best known by his stage name, Le Petromaine, which translates to fartomanic. He was famous for his remarkable control of his abdominal muscles, which enabled him to seemingly fart at will. Some of the highlights of his stage play involved sound effects of cannon fire and thunderstorms, as well as playing Oh So Milo and Le Macielis on an ocarina with the aid of a rubber hose. He could also blow out a candle from several yards away. Jesus. <laughs> that could be a party trick, like oh, a birthday party. God. <laughs> gone without knowing that <laughs> so you know if you need a new career there's, there you go and that's all about farts but um okay friends even though i'm not your friend buddy <laughs> i couldn't not <laughs> today my topic is the history of canada so i'm going to be speaking to the honest history of canada no sugar coating complete honesty the good the bad and the genocide first let's cover a few basic facts about canada so we are the second largest country in the world. We have 10 provinces, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland and Labrador. And Newfoundland and Labrador is one place, not two. And three territories in the northern part of the country. Yukon, Northwest Terries, and none of it. And for the record, I was doing text-to-speech when I was working on this script, and Microsoft Word was having none of it. <laughs> it was literally having none of it. Oh, yeah. A little Canadian humor. Yeah, yeah. Finding the humor in the dark. <laughs> we first officially became a country in 1867. We currently have a population of about 40 million people. Our culture and identity as a country is based around the natural beauty that is Canada, as you can see by our country's flag, which consists of a maple leaf. It is well known around the world that we say sorry too much and we're really, really friendly. And finally, a fun food we like to eat here in Canada is something called poutine, made famous by French Canadians, a classic dish that consists of French fries, gravy, and cheese curds. Don't knock it till you try it. You won't regret it. Okay, now to start off, when most people think of Canadian history and the origins of Canada, the idea that comes to mind is usually the first Thanksgiving, in which Europeans first came to North America and desperately depended on Indigenous people to ensure their survival in the beginning. While this does have some truth to it, it's not the official origin of Canada. For those who are unaware, Canada is officially a bilingual country, meaning we have two languages as our official language. English and French Canadian. Although honestly, I've lived here my entire life and the only thing I can say in French is the little pig. Petite cochon. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll throw in uh, my favorite French word, which is le pompe mousse, which is grapefruit. Yeah. I love it. 
But we are an official bilingual country because the Europeans, specifically the English Europeans, were not the first people to set foot in Canada and settle. In fact, before Canada was Canada, in 1534 to 1736, the land was actually known as New France. French people were actually the first to come here and settle to this country. And somehow they managed to work very peacefully with the indigenous people who had already been living on the land for centuries. Imagine that, right? Working peacefully with the people who were already there. So keep that in mind because it will be brought up again. So the people of New France had already been living in the area of around what is Quebec today for generations before the English people even thought to come to North America and settle in what would be Canada. However, the English started getting more interested in the world beyond and how they could exploit it for their own means. They eventually found themselves on Canadian soil and decided it was theirs for the taking, despite the New France individuals and indigenous people who again had been there for centuries. Now I do want to take a moment just to stress that I have no hatred towards English people. As many of you know, Sophie was born in England and I myself, my grandmother was born in England. So. I am kind of thankful for the English, but again, I said there's going to be no sugarcoating in this honest history. Honestly, as a British person, we have done some shit. And there's no denying that, so I think it's very important for us to learn what our past ancestors have done and to go forward from there. So here the English found themselves wanting to take possession of land that had already been held. So, the response that made the most sense to them at the time was to attempt violence. And there really is a rich, full history here about the battles that took place between the people of New France and the English, and how at certain points the French people teamed up with indigenous people against the English. And honestly, it would make a better movie than Pocahontas, in my opinion. But in the sake of time, we just can't do that. So if you want to learn more, please do. But long story short, the English people eventually came to terms with the fact that there was a colony of French individuals and indigenous people who were not going anywhere. As we see in Canadian history today, there still maintains a strong French-Canadian presence as an entire province is dedicated to French people and that entire time in Canadian history. The same, however, can't be said for indigenous people whatsoever. Whereas the English decided that they couldn't do the same with indigenous peoples and the best solution for everyone was either A, wipe out the population entirely, as they attempted, or B, somehow turn them all into English people. From their culture to their appearance, change everything about them until who they were as a people is virtually erased. Don't get me wrong for one second though, the indigenous people again fought back. But again, for the sake of time, we're just going to brush past it. But if you do want to learn more, look into the names of Louis Rial and Gabriel Dumont, who were both Métis individuals. And Métis here in Canada basically means that it was a person who was born from French descent and from Indigenous descent. So it's the combination of French and Indigenous. They were both Métis individuals who led their people against the force that was the recently established Canadian government and the first Prime Minister, John A. Macdonald. Seriously, if we have the chance again, I will tell you these stories, but in the meantime, I highly recommend looking into them. The interesting thing, especially with Louis Riel, when we moved to Canada, a lot of places describe him as a rebel, that he was, you know, against the British and against uh, the government, and he was a rebel and he had to be stopped. 
But when you talk to other people, he's a hero. He really pushed, obviously, against the British, against this government rule to take away all culture and everything like that. So it's a really great example of there's always two sides to the story. And unfortunately, sometimes the victors are the stories we hear. Because in Riel's mind, he was just trying to stop the Canadian government from completely eradicating his people which is the right, but yeah. Anyways, highly recommend looking into that story. If we have a chance, we will tell it from start to finish. Okay, so turning back to this idea of changing indigenous people into quote, civilized people was absolutely horrific. Having one of the main methods being these things called residential schools. So a residential school was basically kind of like a church boarding school that had the sole purpose of beating and torturing children, specifically indigenous children from age five to 14 into losing their indigenous identity and adopting a quote, civilized one. The last of such schools in Canada continued until 1996. So this horrific institution put in place by the Canadian government continued until a little over 25 years ago. I really wanna let that sink in for a second. Because here in Canada, we often hear the phrase is, quote, why don't they just get over it? It happened so long ago. Just let it go, end quote. I hope knowing this now helps you understand that it really was not that long ago. There are people alive today in Canada who were forced to attend these schools and are survivors of these schools and the horrific physical, sexual, verbal violence that they faced every single day. And the recording of this episode is actually horrifically well-timed, unfortunately, with what's going on in our community and in our society here in Canada. Because last week, the last week of May 2021, a former residential school in Kamloops, BC was investigated and they discovered a mass grave of about 215 children. No records were found of what happened to these children no idea if the families ever got closure about what happened to these children. All we are left with is the knowledge that 215 children died at one school out of the 88 schools that existed around Canada and were put in place by the Canadian government. And that's the end. I'm like, let's just end it on a super fucking sad note. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. It's... um. I really want to keep tweeting about the fact that anything that keeps happening in the world, South Park's already done it. South Park's already talked about it. South so it's so weird. We're like recording all these episodes and literally like... They're lining up to real world things. Yeah. It's just like... It's like, what the hell? History keeps repeating itself. Because we're not fucking learning. Exactly. Mm. It was horrifically well-timed. Yeah. It was. I'm like, okay, hey, we can literally talk about it. And the idea too, like, that's one school. Yeah. One school out of 80 plus. I'm Mm -hmm. just scared what's going to be discovered. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So usually we give you a place to learn more. Unfortunately, this episode was two extremes. Something that is, for some people, extremely hilarious and something that is extremely traumatic. So what we wanted to do, instead of giving you a place to learn... This episode has so many Canadian references, Canadian stereotypes, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through them, and we're going to talk about them, and we're going to tell you if they're true or if they're lies. And a PSA, South Park makes fun of the United States 
all the time and I feel like with our podcast we're always going to be poking fun so we're super happy to laugh about Canadians being poked at Mm -hmm. either it's all okay or none of it's okay exactly all right so the first one Canadians are extremely nice people true or not true and false we are very nice in comparison to like the rest of the world but as pointed out we have our race issues we have assholes we have our deep dark history Mm -hmm. I would say as someone immigrating into Canada I find Canadians really nice in the winter I I mean in England we never really had to deal with blizzards and snowstorms and things like that but I have multiple times hit the ditch or had my car like break and people are more than willing to pull over and help you and I'm sure that's like that in the rest of the world, but I do find in Canada, people are more willing to stop. Mm -hmm. Number two, calling others buddy. True. True? 100%. (laughs) Buddy, friend, guy, dude. Pal. Yeah. 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 Do we have a Saskatchewan way of saying things to people? Like a term? I don't think so. I think the only thing that's distinctly Saskatchewan is bunny hug. Yes. Which is just a sweater with a pocket in the front for some reason we call it a bunny hug mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um ending sentences with a somewhat true it's more of like a con- when you're looking for confirmation like a yeah that's true yeah it's not as overdone as obviously you'll see in the movies but a, 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 i do a, agree a, like a. people might be like oh you know it's a really nice day today a. but not even like that no. not even like so pronounced mm-hmm. Speaking of pronounce, pronouncing the word about so it sounds like a boot. Completely false. We say about. <laughs> Come on. We say about. Maybe in more eastern provinces, they might have more of that stereotypical accent. But um, in Saskatchewan, a lot of people think they don't have accents. And you guys do. You do. do. <laughs> um, but you don't pronounce it as hard as that. So in the episode, Terrence and Philip love the product Croft Dinner, which is so funny because in the recap you said Kraft Dinner. I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> um, so true or false that Canadians love Kraft Dinner? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And for those who don't know what Kraft Dinner is, it's basically macaroni and cheese that you can buy in a box. It comes with powdered cheese. It's gross, but we love it. Like I know it's powdered cheese, and it, yeah, I don't know why we just love it (laughs) when we first moved to Canada I still don't know to this day how we did it but we screwed it up so bad that the pasta stuck together and we just made like a moon pasta thing (laughs) it's very hard to screw up but there you go it is possible so obviously in the episode they sing the national anthem O Canada twice just a little fun fact, it has gone through a number of changes and revisions, but apparently the version sung in the episode is the anthem when it was in 1926. Hmm. Most recently, we did have a revision into our uh, national anthem because it used to go in all thy sons command, and the Canadian government wanted to make that more inclusive, so now it's changed to in all of us command. Oh, see, I haven't... It's been... Since the pandemic, we haven't really been to anything, yeah. so I haven't been able to sing the new version. Yeah, so yeah. it's in yeah all of us instead of just the men. Would you say Canadians are very patriotic? Oh yeah, especially when it comes to like nature, as I talked about. Like that's very heavy in our identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the episode, there's a football game happening in Canada pitted between the Ottawa Roughriders and the Vancouver Roughriders. 
So the joke is actually based on the fact that the Canadian Football League, CFL, used to have two teams named the Rough Riders. There was the Ottawa Rough Riders who played in the league from 1876 to 1996. They are now the Ottawa Red. No, Ottawa Black. Not Black Ops. That's a video game. Just give me a sec. Silliest thing. Red Blacks! <laughs> That's hilarious! I was like, they're the Ottawa Red. Ottawa Black. So, of course, now Ottawa is the Ottawa Red Blacks and um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We still have our team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but Vancouver has never had a Vancouver Rough Riders. They are the Vancouver BC Lions. Fun fact. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are actually the most popular team in the CFL. We can judge this because every single year, the Rough Riders sell more merchandise to their fans than all of the other teams combined. We don't know why they're so popular, but they are. It's, again, like a patriotic thing. Like, yeah. if you're from Saskatchewan and you don't cheer for the Rough Riders, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and they wear watermelons on their heads. Yeah, we never said we were smart. The next one is there is an airplane, and it has AC on it, which is the initials of Air Canada. I would say as a Canadian, Air Canada, if you possible, maybe fly with WestJet. Yeah. I don't know. I've never really had a good experience with Air Canada, unfortunately. <laughs> of course, in the episode, Celine Dion makes an appearance. Everyone, I'm assuming, knows who Celine Dion is because she was very popular after her hit single, My Heart Will Go On, which was featured in Titanic in 1997. This song was also used in the previous episode in Carmen's Mom is a Dirty Slut, so they were throwing it back to that. Mm. Do you like Celine Dion? Oh, you can't be Canadian and not. Celine Dion, Shania Twain, like, you gotta like them. Yes, we have our Canadian ladies. Aw, Canadian <laughs> ladies. Yeah. And the last one. So Saddam, he had planned to conquer that he was going to conquer the US, China, and then Newfoundland. As Amanda already went over, Newfoundland is a province. It is not the province of Canada. I think that was actually a very random province to pick. I'm surprised they didn't say Ontario. Mm -hmm. But I know in future Terrence and Phillip episodes, there is the CN Tower, which mm. is in Toronto. But the funny thing about this joke is that, of course, a lot of people you tell, hey, I'm from Canada. They're like, oh, you're from Toronto? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know Susie from Toronto? No. no. <laughs> We're a population of 40 million, bud. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, we can understand if you don't know where Saskatchewan is, but we're right in the middle. So Sophie, what was your favorite part of the episode? <laughs> the end. Always skip this episode whenever I've been watching South Park. I feel like I was probably like one of the people who wanted to write an email. Um, even though I covered it in this episode, I personally don't find farts funny. So, uh, but no, in all honesty, the reason I say the end is there's two parts. If you actually read the credits, they're actually pretty hilarious. They have a fart coach, a body double for Miss Celine Dion, a body double for Ugly Bob. We didn't bring up Ugly Bob in the recap, but he was just a random character who gets with Miss Celine Dion. Mm -hmm. A personal trainer for Mr. Hussan, and a pharmaceutical catering. So just fun little quips in there in the credits. I love the idea of a buffet table of pills. <laughs> buffet table of pills. I love that too. And also the end because, like I said, not only is it's over, but it's just the whole, everyone's singing the national anthem, there's a moose, they're closing out, there's a nice maple leaf. It's really Canadian right there. Um, <laughs> my note says comments on national anthem. 
So the one thing I'd have to say about the, the national anthem, especially in Canada, like you said, we're really patriotic. You learn it in school. You would sing it every Monday. Um, oh, we did it every morning. Oh, really? Yeah, legit. Like, that was how you started the day. Like, you got to school. You did attendance by that time. Usually the announcements came on. It was like, please stand for the Canadian National every morning. Yeah. And oh. then they go over the announcements for the day. So, no, See, we did it every day. Our school is just like once a week no. on Monday. Every day. <laughs> but uh, as I was going through school, obviously, they would have students singing it. So I was always like, I want to sing it. Uh, fun fact, when I was in a touring group here in Saskatchewan and we were singing, one of the songs we sung was a version of the national anthem. And before we would perform, we would get our set list for that day. And every time I saw that we were doing the national anthem, I got so excited. Everyone else in my cast like hated it. They didn't like it because it had no choreo, but also because when you... <laughs> gonna out me so much when you're not a soprano sometimes the parts can be really exciting because you're not doing the melody but sometimes can be really boring so most people were finding it very boring but i really liked it because my high note sounded like a trumpet and i was like oh canadian pride <laughs> but amanda the question is what was your favorite part because kenny wasn't in this episode i know i had to come up with something new um but honestly my favorite part is the way that the canadians are animated throughout the entire series like i just i love that they're like hinged jaw and i was doing some research as to kind of like why that is what that it is and it's the them playing the joke on us of like we're behind them technological wise so our animation <laughs> quality wouldn't be as good as theirs so obviously our people wouldn't be as good as Oh my god, that's really thought out. Right? So it's kind of, yeah, like poking fun at the fact that our TV shows aren't as adapt as they are. And like, there's always this um, joke, and Americans who are listening, please feel free to comment if these facts that we think you guys think about us are true or not. <laughs> um, but we always get this idea that the Americans seem to think that we're a lesser country, like we live in a frozen hostile wasteland, we live in igloos, and we ride around on our polar bears. But of course this isn't true. We live in multiple level igloos, and we ride around mooses way faster. Fun fact, actually faster. I googled it. <laughs> so a polar bear can run about 40 kilometers an hour. Mm -hmm. A moose runs about 56. I could see it. Yeah. So yeah. Moose are actually pretty terrifying. Oh my god, yes. I mean, not compared to our Canadian geese. But... Yeah, they're the most terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my favorite part. Just how they made us look. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah. Really I was looking into it. Yeah. So I'm like, why are we? Because if you play the video game, the first one, when you go to Canada, it's in 4-bit. Like, it's, you literally go from South Park to 4-bit. <laughs> and I guess it's, yeah, this whole play on the fact that we're behind them. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're so excited for season two and to share you everything that we have found out. We will be putting out episodes weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at 2 female prime ministers. Reach out to let us know what you liked, how we can improve, and share us with your friends. And again, if you're American, reach out and let us know if those stereotypes are true or not. And if you really like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find us. We hope after listening to our show today, you thought, you know, I learned something today. Bye! Bye.